This is Workflow, Episode 4. Workflow is the podcast that helps teams figure out the best way to work, collaborate, and get stuff done. Brought to you by Rindle. Hey everyone, I'm Brian. And I'm Tom. And we're the co-founders of Rindle, and this is our podcast, Workflow. Today we're talking about a baseline workflow for your team. So before we kick into talking about the baseline workflow, what's happening at Rindle, Tom? Everything's going great at Rindle, right? Uh, We actually are working on this podcast right now. So um, recently you and I had a discussion that uh, we were managing this uh, podcast stuff in in, uh, Google Doc, uh, as typically things start out, I feel like in Google Docs, right? So you can quickly uh, collaborate on them and then uh, map some higher level stuff out. Uh, and then I had messaged, messaged you that maybe we should actually turn this into a Rindle board because we basically ended up just having a bunch of bullets in that document. Yeah. And I think the first thing I thought about was, you know, we currently have a marketing board that we kind of track marketing meetings, tasks for the marketing team in general to execute on and little internal marketing projects. And then we have uh, at the time, which was an editorial slash content board where we track blog posts, creation, um, things like that. So my first thought was, well, maybe this podcast effort as far as tracking episodes and topics and all those things should, should go into the content board. Um, and then quickly realize, well, we have a pretty big backlog already from that Word doc that you mentioned of ideas. So that would kind of really clutter up that board really fast. Um, so I said, okay, yeah, let's break out into podcast board and then change the editorial slash content board to just blog posts. So now we have a marketing board, a blog post board and a podcast board. Um, and when I mentioned this to Asia, who's heading up our, our marketing, um, she kind of reacted like, oh, okay. Like she didn't expect that, which I thought was interesting. Um, so it made me second guess myself as to like, well, maybe it should be part of the editorial board and all the editorial stuff should live and the content stuff should live in one board. Um, and then when I mentioned it to you, um, you kind of re reaffirmed it and kind of gave me more confidence in decision saying like, yeah, that makes sense to me because we have such a large backlog of episodes and ideas that it should kind of live in its own board. Yeah, I definitely think it should probably live in its own board. And I mean, when we ultimately get these mirrors in, um, we can maybe, uh, move some some stuff over, mirror some stuff onto some common board if, if we see the need to. But uh, overall, like each of these topics potentially could have like a lot of other details or, or um, chat conversations within uh, within the tasks themselves, which the tasks in the scenario are what we're uh, using as like uh, this. These are the topics for each week uh, or the ideas for each week. Uh, it just kind of makes sense that it should just be its own board. Yeah, and I, I did confirm also, like when I set up the podcast board, it actually is a slightly different workflow. So it actually makes a lot more sense than just pushing it through what the blog post workflow is, which is similar, but it just has a couple extra unique steps for the podcast itself. So it does kind of keep things really clean and comprehensive. All right. So uh, what are we talking about this week? Yeah, so we're going to talk about a uh, baseline workflow uh, that could basically work for any team. It could be a software team. It could be a marketing team. It could be a production team for a manufacturer. 
Um, so really just a baseline workflow that can apply, especially if you're kind of looking for a place to start. Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting actually. So uh, in developing uh, a project management software, even actually before we started developing the actual project management software of Rindle, like pe people constantly came to us and were asking us like, well, what type of workflow should I use? Like, what, um, how, how do I get started? Uh, it seems to be just really common, common question that people have when, when starting to use uh, some sort of software to, to start managing a project. Uh, they, they just don't really know what to do with the workflow and, and how to even get started. Yeah, I kept on hearing it over and over again. Um, enough to where it kind of inspired us to say, okay, well, yes, we keep on answering this question over and over again and giving direction kind of based on where to start with your workflow. And then we ended up writing, you know, a help desk article on it. So we can start pointing people to a pre-developed article that kind of goes into some best practices, um, how to start with a, a baseline workflow and other things about that workflow that you can start to implement. Um, so that really became a helpful tool in, in trying to describe because uh, we did have best practices. We did have things that we were recommending um, to our customer base and to other people we chat about this stuff with. Um, so it was great to kind of get that out into a document so we can kind of put a stake in the ground and say, yes, these are the best practices that we recommend. Yeah, and those best practices really uh, are just very simple, basic set, right? So it all kind of stems from this uh you know, traditional Kanban type approach of, of you know, three columns to do, doing done, uh, which is just the real, you know, starting point uh, of, of projects in, in this Kanban type, type world. Yeah, I think that's probably the best example of like a, a true common baseline of a, a Kanban style type workflow. And, and when we say Kanban style or, or this kind of workflow, meaning these are lists um, that kind of run left to right, so to do would be your first list or column and then doing second and then done third. Um, you, if you scour Google or the internet or whatever, you will find plenty of examples of to do doing done referenced everywhere. Um, so that really is a true baseline. And we even currently, even in Rindle, um, start some boards off with to do doing done um, as just kind of a starting point. Um, it's really easy to, for people to wrap their heads around, you know, things I have to do, things that I'm currently doing and things that are finished. Sure, and and this this can be in uh, you know virtual like softwares like on the internet like uh, like a Rindle or a Trello or whatever, but this could also just as easily be done on on a whiteboard, right? With three columns to do, doing done. Uh, this type of simple workflow really can be be brought into any any software. Yeah, and on a whiteboard, you know, introducing along with uh, the columns written out on a whiteboard, but post-it notes, you know, to track the task within each column. Uh, and you can kind of pick up the post-it note, move it from, from column to column, and track your work. Yep, I think we've all seen it on Silicon Valley. <laughs> yes, that big, giant post-it note board they have. <laughs> and, and I think the backlog is filled with 100 items. Yep, until they move them all to done. There you go. <laughs> exactly. So. Our recommended baseline workflow is a little bit more uh, in-depth than a to-do doing done workflow. So we recommend basically starting with, with four lists and we'll kind of go through each list, kind of what each one is. Um, but we recommend starting with a backlog being the first list, leftmost position, um, then in progress, blocked and done. So the backlog is basically the place where all of, and this comes from Agile, 
terminology, um, but a place where it's a backlog of, of things that need to get done. Uh, typically that's prioritized top down. So the thing at the top of the backlog is the next thing to get done. And if you have ideas or things you wanna do, you kind of add them to the backlog and when there's availability, you know, those are the next things to get done. Yeah, and I think that's probably really important to note that uh, that is the second uh, dynamic of Kanban type uh, approach is that you have like the columns, but also uh, the items are, are in a particular order that, that can be just, they can be arbitrarily ordered. In that sense, we choose to order them in priority uh, as opposed to in date order or just alphabetically. And we really make use of the fact that you can order them however you want. Yeah, and that's really easy to understand as well. Just, you know, if you kind of prioritize top down, it's really easy to understand that this is just the way we prioritize our boards. So the next list is in progress. And that's just basically things that come from the backlog and move into progress. These are actual tasks that you're doing now. Um, typically, in this step, they'll be assigned to somebody. So if I grab a task that I'm going to do and I move it to in progress so everybody can see that I'm working on it, I'll also assign it to myself so everybody can see that as well. Um, and, and, you know, in some of the practices out there, like Kanban and things like that, um, some even recommend limiting how much work you have in progress at one time. Mm -hmm. um, but for this baseline example, it's really just, you know, if you have a team, no matter what size team is working on that set of tasks, uh, everything that each person is working on ends up in this in progress. So again, visually lets you kind of see quickly who's working on what. Yeah, I was actually going to mention the the uh, limiting uh, factor, but you know, honestly, if you're you have your whole team on this and and they're giving it a, a go, uh, it probably will happen kind of naturally that hey, you know, you can only really be working on one thing at a time. Maybe maybe two things if they if they're related, you know, one item in progress at a time per person type type deal. Yeah, I think if it gets above. A couple things you're working on really, you know, everybody says, you know, they can multitask, which some people can. And of course, you can have a couple things going on at once. But at a point, it gets to be, you know, less productive. And you will actually be probably slowing the progress of those tasks down uh, than, than speeding them up. So the next list is blocked. And basically, we recommend having this list in here just to have a space for if you have a task that is reliant on something else, either a person's input or another task that needs to get completed, uh, any other kind of dependency, uh, moving it from in progress to blocked is a great way to organize it and let everybody again know on the board that this is blocked. Uh, also taking it out and separating it from all the in progress and backlog tasks and just kind of segmenting it out into its own list. Can you skip this column if you, if you just move something directly from in progress to done? Do you have to go from column to column to column or, or how does that work? That's actually a great question, Tom. Um, so yes, you can skip the blocked list. Um, of course, if you're working on something and there is nothing impeding, you know, the progress and you can actually get it done, there's no dependencies, there's, there's no other input needed, um, you certainly can move it right from in progress to done. Uh, and that would be your typical workflow, actually, probably the block task will be the more the edge case, because hopefully you're not having as many dependencies and issues with getting tasks done. Um, so it'll be more of the, the edge case where that kind of gets moved in occasionally. And then most of your tasks will go from in progress directly to done. Now, uh, I, I do kind of feel that as we have uh, actually been working on these workflows, like as we use, use uh, Rindle to develop our product, we, we, Blocked wasn't actually typically on the board um, in the early iterations of this. We actually moved things back to the backlog, but then 
adding blocked actually gave us a lot more clarity, right? Because it doesn't really make sense to move something from in progress back to the backlog just if, if you can't finish it up because it's not really giving it any real uh, indication as to what, what happened with that. And then it just kind of gets lost in this backlog when it actually, it, it could be partially done. Um, yeah, so, I think, I think, yeah, I think it, it definitely alleviates confusion as to because it was already started. Right. And the backlog typically is a list of things that haven't been started yet that need to get done. So I think just the fact that it got started, moving it back to the backlog just doesn't really make sense. And it, it definitely confused us. Mm-hmm. So people were kind of unsure, well, is, is Tom working on this or is he not? Or is it partially done, half done, uh, not started at all? So yeah, I think the block list definitely adds a clarity as far as, well, no, this is started. I'm going to finish it, but I'm waiting on some things. And let me, you know, add some comments to that task or whatever to kind of articulate what I'm waiting for so everybody knows. But yeah, it's, it's a much better flow, I think, since we've introduced that. The last list is done. So it's pretty self-explanatory. When tasks are done, they get moved there. Um, and really, it should be done, done when it gets moved to that list. Not, well, I'm done with it, but somebody else has to do something. If that's the case, then there should be, you know, it should still live in progress or whatever needs to happen or maybe even blocked. Um, but when it's complete, fully done, it moves to done, it gets marked as complete, and, and you move on to the next task. Perfect. Yeah. So, Brian, what, what are the uh, benefits of this workflow? Yeah. So I think, you know, using the visual type workflow with, with these lists kind of running left to right as we describe them, um, it, it does give instant visual feedback to everybody who's collaborating on that, that board or project. Um, and it, by using a list, it actually segments the work. So your, your brain can actually interpret what's happening a lot faster. It's just like us as humans looking at a picture and interpreting so many data points in a picture way faster than we do reading text, mm-hmm. right? So if you have to read through a list of a hundred tasks in that project for whatever reason and decipher, well, this is actually what Brian's working on. This is what Tom's working on. These are the things that are due. That takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. And then you got to relook at it over and over again and make sure what you saw was correct. So by, by kind of laying it out in this type of workflow left to right, uh, which introduces this visual element, it just gives kind of insight into, well, how many, tasks still need to be worked on, um, which tasks are currently in progress, who's working on them, who's assigned to them, uh, what, what's blocked, what needs attention, and what's been completed, right? So it's really simple to see that on an on a on-demand basis. Sure, which leads right into uh, the, the next point, which is th- that it makes for a, a great tool to, to bring up during a, during a meeting. Uh, I know we have SAS meetings every day. Uh, we try to keep them short they typically go a little bit longer uh but we we do kind of start off by by using this tool uh to to keep the meeting running smoothly like what we're currently working on and what we've completed uh the previous day um and then we'll we'll from a higher level take a look at the backlog to see what else needs to be done right to see if we're going to be uh able to hit our goal yeah i think we actually used pretty much probably in every standup we have, we reference a board, depending on what we're working on at the, at the moment. Um, but we are looking at a project or board with that kind of workflow that's tracking our work. We're referencing that constantly. And in our case, we're using Rindle. So, you know, not only backlog of what we're kind of work on, but also what's in, in progress, right? So a lot mm-hmm. of times I'll be asking, well, what, what is Scott working on? What's Tom working on, et cetera. And we, we can all see the same thing and hone in on that information really quickly because it is kind of segmented out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like it just because 
it speeds up the conversation because we're not being like, wait, no, no, not that task. Wait, no, no, I'm talking about this one. It's over in this list somewhere else. You know, it's very easy to hone in on the same task pretty quickly as so we're all on the same page when we're talking. You know, another thing, like, since we're actually on that board during during the meeting, like if we're talking about something or something comes up, it's really easy just to add additional things to the backlog, like right then and there, uh, which is a big benefit. Like we're already in the project board, right? So just hop right in and add, add additional stuff if it needs to be added. All right, absolutely. Now that we have a basic understanding of the workflow, uh, how should actual work flow through this workflow? Yeah, so uh, as we mentioned, you know, with the backlog, you know, all tasks are kind of a need to get done, um, get added to the bottom of the backlog. And because again, we're prioritizing it top down, um, that's a pretty good practice that anytime you add something new, add it to the bottom. And then of mm -hmm. course it can be reprioritized from there. You know, it could be certainly moved to the top of the list. If, you, if, if the team ends up deciding, hey, I, this actually needs to get done tomorrow and they move it to the top or move it to the middle. Um, but typically best practices, you know, if you don't know where it falls in the backlog, just add it to the bottom and then it will kind of flow up from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then as you have time, uh, like the team members have time, you, you basically pull a task from the backlog and move it into in progress, and then we assign it to ourselves. That's like the first thing that we do. Yeah, exactly. And if you're not assigning to yourself, if you have like a project manager or somebody else like that, you know, that person will sometimes move it over to in progress for you, right? And then assign it to you or whatever team member needs to get it done. So whoever's really doing that, it typically just pulls from the backlog, moves into in progress, and is assigned to the right person. Sure. And, and initially, I think it's important to, to talk about that. Initially, we were pre-assigning tasks to people uh, in the backlog. Um, but I actually think that kind of uh, muddied the water, if you will. Uh, and, and we stopped doing that and it actually gave us a little more clarity, if that makes any sense. Because uh, the stuff in the backlog is changing fairly rapidly and you, you don't really need to be worried about it uh, until it moves to in progress, I don't think. Yeah, because then, then what you end up having is a bunch of tasks that are signed out and like what I found is like, you know, if you look at your plate in, in Rindle and say, oh, well, what am I actually working on across all my projects and things like that? You know, you end up having a bunch of tasks that actually you're not working on, yeah. right? Which, which makes no sense. So it's just really muddying the water for you. And now you have to sift through a bunch of other information. Um, so by just keeping this process and, and letting the backlog, backlog kind of keep tasks that need to get done, but they're not assigned yet. And only when they move to in progress, you know, delegate it out and assign it, track who's doing it. Uh, makes a ton of sense and if you do this across all your projects then it will keep everybody's kind of workload clean as far as when they look at all the tests that are on a plate they'll see actually what is in progress right now although i i do think that if there's project managers out there they're they're probably gonna be like well how do i how do i plan stuff out and uh, it's probably a topic for another another podcast but there are other methods for um, being able to to plan out well who's getting what tasks other than actually assigning it to those members uh yeah I, i've heard this before too and and i i actually used to do this uh, back in the agency days um sometimes you're kind of pre-delegating workout so everybody knows kind of what their responsibilities are mm -hmm. um, but as i've kind of grown in my career a little bit that makes less and less sense to me um just because it, for the reason we just described like you are basically just bogging down their workload with stuff that they're going to do in three weeks mm -hmm. um so yeah, there's other ways to communicate those things, but uh, as far as like leveraging, uh, especially a software platform, you know, and you're trying to look at reports and other kind of views of data, 
doing that makes those reports and views of data almost impossible or useless just because you're looking at again a bunch of information that doesn't apply to kind of what you're doing today or this week yeah um, and again like typically those things longer term ch change rapidly and uh, uh in three weeks it, it those items might not even be on the backlog anymore or might not even be need to be done at all. Right. So it basically just wasted a bunch of time, you know, yeah. it's getting your attention, you're looking at it over and over again. And in the end, it's going to be deleted a week from now. And all that time has been wasted and energy has been wasted. So when things are still in a planning kind of mode, which the backlog is great for, you know, really delegating shouldn't happen at that point just because things change so rapidly, like you said. Cool. So then after a task moves to in progress, this is the point in time where, you know, you basically have a decision to make. If it's done, it moves to done. But if it's not done, it moves to, to the block column. Yeah, absolutely. And once it's in blocked, if, if that's the path for it, it, it needs to be moved to block because it's waiting on a dependency or something else to happen. Um, when that thing is is done, whether it's another task you're waiting for or input for another person, it should move back to in progress to show that, okay, it's no longer blocked. All of those things have been alleviated or solved, and I'm now continuing, and this is now in progress, and I'm now going to continue it to completion uh, unless it gets blocked again for some reason or completed and moved to done. Awesome. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it's important to note here that you really should avoid leaving stuff in in progress if you're going to start something else. It's better to move it to blocked and have it wait there as opposed to leaving it in progress and moving another another task to in progress. Uh, because really, uh, I mean, we said before, like maybe you could be working on two things at once, but it's really unlikely that you'll be working on two things at once if, if you're trying to map out granular enough tasks. Yeah, and to that same point too, if, if it's something that's delayed for some reason that is going to kind of really not be picked up again or you don't know when it's going to be picked up again you know maybe it should be unassigned at that point and moved back to the backlog right and picked up by somebody else at a later time maybe it gets moved to the bottom of the backlog right so i think there are a couple scenarios here you know like you said moving it to block uh, so it gets out of in progress if you're not really working on it and you are slowing down or not working on it for a certain reason and then other the other case is if maybe it's being delayed permanently or semi-permanently and you should actually unassign yourself and put it back in the backlog and get it out of in progress in the same way when the task itself is actually done, uh, done, done, as Brian said before, uh, move it to done, and uh, it really shouldn't ever move out of done at that point. Uh, it should never really move back to backlog or back to uh, in progress. It it's, should be actually complete. Cool. So on top of that baseline workflow that we just went through and described, there are a couple other lists that we find popping up quite a bit. They're not part of the actual baseline that we, we just laid out for you, um, but they're things definitely that you should consider. One of them being a review column. So this is basically if you have a process of, you know, testing QA, if you're doing software development or something like that, like we do, um, or if you have a proofing step, maybe you need a copy editor to review a blog post or maybe even a creative approval step where you have a creative director reviewing designs or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, a review list, and this list could be named whatever you need it to be named. In the end, it could be QA, it could be testing, it could be proofing, it could be creative director review, but a review is kind of a great generic name. Um, but that becomes a place where it can move to review before it gets marked as complete and moved to the done list. So it gives you a step to say, okay, yep, this is done. The task is done. But in order for it to be considered done, done, uh, it actually needs a review by whatever process you have in place on, on your team. Very rapidly, a simple workflow can become 
complicated, right? Because now you're in this uh, review column, and as you just mentioned, like potentially you're assigning someone else uh, to the to the task in order to re review it or proof it or, or whatever the, the item may be. Potentially, you might have multiple uh, review columns, right? Like uh, it could it could start to get complicated quickly, um, and then after they review it they find that there is uh, an issue or uh, a bug if it's like software development or um some some other something else has to be done so so you have a question then do do you move this task back to somewhere like do you move it back to the backlog or, or do you move it to in progress or blocked or or what do you do uh and personally like we've debated this a, a lot i personally find the best thing to do is to create a new task at that point because typically whatever has to be done is a, a granular piece of of that task and uh it, it's it's clear just to create a very specific task and and put that in the backlog and then someone will hopefully get to it yeah in the, in the earlier days i was definitely like if i tested something in our software development workflow I was moving the entire task back to in progress and saying, oh, there's an issue with this. It needs to be fixed. And then you guys kept on saying, well, it was, it's actually done. It's just you found a problem with it. So mm -hmm. it's confusing, actually, for me to move the whole task back, you know, and say, well, well, it looks like this thing hasn't been done at all. And somebody needs to do it uh, as opposed to, you know, like you're saying, creating a new task and actually specifying the exact issue. So it looks like a new item to everybody and everybody understands what's going on as far as like what needs to get done. Um, so yeah, I think kind of your reaction to that when I used to do that kind of use case where I move the whole task back, you know, kind of definitely drove like, well, you know, your recommendation on like, well, maybe we should create new tasks. And I think that's worked out quite a bit better, you know, as far as just the flow of everything and everybody seems to be a lot clearer on what's going on. Yeah, it definitely makes things clearer, I think. And, and and what? But the question then is like, what do you do with that task that's in the QA column? Because is it actually done at that point um, once you've created that new new task? Yeah. So uh, I think the way we're at least workflowing it, and I think this makes sense, is that you know it does get moved to done because the actual work has been done. So even if you take a blog post, for example, right, uh, and it's a first draft, right, and you're and you're kind of reviewing the first draft of the blog post, the draft was actually completed, right? It's now on your plate to review as a copy editor. The copywriter wrote it, so that task is done. The fact that there's edits or other changes or maybe even some revisions that need to go back to the copywriter that's definitely a new task, right? It's not, hey, first draft needs to be created again, um, unless you really wash out the whole thing. But mm -hmm. um, I think it makes sense to move the first draft to done and then create a new task and in progress for X, Y, and Z edits um, to that first draft. So it, it really becomes you know, clear as to what exactly people are working on and why. Um, and you can even do multiple drafts that way or anything you need to flow through that same cycle. Awesome. So another list that we recommend uh, that you consider is a resources list. So if you have um, things that you need to reference on the board for the entire team, so they're not necessarily tasks that need to get done, but they are resources and references. Maybe it's links to websites, maybe it's documents, things like that. Um, you can create a resources list in your workflow. Um, I've tried it in both places on the far left, meaning before the backlog, all the way to the left of the workflow. Uh, and I've also tried it to the far right, and I, I really like it a lot better off to the side on the right uh, because it, it's not a, affecting the daily workflow from backlog on over. 
So um, I recommend definitely keeping it on the far right. But this is just a place that's kind of stagnant. The cards or the tasks really don't move from that list. Um, it's really just there for reference when people are like, oh, what's the image size for that blog post that, for the hero image? Or mm -hmm. wait, there's a documentation that I need to reference. Um, it's just a place that you can kind of keep those things organized. The reason why we're saying a column for this is really because we're using software to do this, right? That does, and, and we don't have like another place to put that on within a project. Um, but you know, uh, if you're if you're actually using a whiteboard to do this, like you might just have some post-it notes at the top of the board that are not uh, don't really they're not tasks or whatever. There's uh, general information, right? Um, yeah, sure. Cool. So then uh, another list to consider is uh, up next. We all know that you you have a column called in progress, right? Um, but this is basically a column before that that is like, hey, this is the next thing that I'm be working on. So it's not sitting in the backlog at the top of the backlog or whatever. But I know I'm actually going to do this next. Yeah, I think it's great for you know when 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 the backlog prioritization isn't enough. So if you're kind of prioritizing backlog top down and people are pulling tasks from the backlog and assigning themselves or or just kind of moving stuff to in progress. If you, you need a better way to kind of show what people should be doing next, um, this up next is a great list to do it. So uh, instead of just kind of having a huge backlog and, and assuming people are going to pick the right task from that top upper piece of the prioritization, you could pull it out, move it into up next, and actually delegate out one or two tasks. I would say don't use it unless you have to. If the backlog works for you and that prioritization works well, one less list is always better because you're kind of making it shorter workflow. Um, but if you need it, you need that segmentation. It's a great option to help you kind of delegate and, and show clearly what people should be doing next. Yeah, and we, we typically uh, kind of half use this column, right? Like, so uh, if, we're on, if we're on a call and we're like, okay, well, so that's not gonna take too long. Let's, uh, let's figure out what we're gonna work on after that. Um, it's a good way to organize and, and figure out what's happening. Yeah, like we use this on our roadmap right now. So we have a backlog of roadmap items that we, we plan to work on, or at least uh, on our radar to work mm -hmm. on. And we will kind of pull out some prioritization into an up next list because our backlog, you know, can get pretty long. So to look through that backlog all the time to kind of constantly sift through that is time consuming and a waste of energy. So having an up next list really just segments it out really quickly. We can, when we have a conversation about the roadmap, really look at it really quickly and say, oh, these are the next five things we said we're up next. And we can see that picture really, really easily. Cool. So uh, let's get into some tips for uh, taking action. Yeah. So the first thing I would recommend is definitely check out um, the help article that we wrote. Um, I mentioned at the top of the podcast, but um, that really lays out a lot of what we talked about today uh, in words. So you can really digest it in a little different way. We have screenshot examples um, of the workflows and things like that. Um, it also gets into some other topics we didn't cover today, um, like how many lists to use, you know, what are the best practices for a number of lists? Um, how can you use tagging or other kind of labeling system to organize your, your tasks and things like that within that workflow, uh, and even getting into some automations and things like that of how you can automate steps in your workflow. So a lot more information to kind of dig into a little deeper. So I definitely recommend checking out that article. All right, yeah, uh, another big thing, right? So we, we talk to a lot of people about uh, this workflow and we always end with, you know, try this out in a, a test project, a, a sample project, you know, pick, pick a, a smaller project that you have and just try it out, um, try out this workflow and see how it works, works for you. Yeah, I think people tend to 
get an idea for something new, like, oh, this is this baseline workflow could work for us. Great. How can we roll this out to our whole team? Well, wait a minute. Don't overcomplicate your life quite yet, right? Like, just start it with a sample project first. Uh, make sure that it, it works. Make sure that people can wrap their heads around it and everybody's on board with this kind of approach um, before wasting a lot of time, like documenting process, figuring out how to roll it out to your team or company. Um, it just don't put the cart before the horse. Really take make sure you, you, you're comfortable with it. Um, and it will also give you an opportunity to get feedback on that process from everybody. Sure. Yeah. The, the kiss approach is always the best, right? Keep it simple. Um, keep it stupid, simple, keep it simple, stupid. Or, or I, I guess the, the politically <laughs> correct is keep it super simple. Yeah, I guess that's politically correct. <laughs> so the next tip is, you know, don't be afraid to iterate. So in, in the same spirit of creating a test project, you know, you definitely want that test project to test the waters and get feedback. And when you get that feedback, you can't be afraid to make changes to your baseline workflow. After all, this is a baseline. That's why we call it baseline. So it's a foundation to kind of start with, um, but definitely should be tailored to kind of tweaks and little things happening in your workflow. Maybe you need to add an extra list. Maybe you need to take a list away, whatever it might be. Um, but as feedback comes in, if it makes sense to the entire team kind of working in this flow, um, definitely don't be afraid to change it, test that, get more feedback until you're really super comfortable with how the work flows. I mean, you know, we've been at this for a while, even with Rindle, and we've made quite a bit of tweaks here and there to our workflow as, as we figure things out. Yeah, and we, we make changes on a, a per project basis, right? Like, so so we have a lot of different boards and some, some boards don't even uh, end up having these columns at all by the end of them, right? Like, because we're using them for something completely uh, different where it's a different type of workflow, but it typically always starts out this way, right? Because it, it's a good baseline. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like our roadmap board has a different workflow than our development board, than our marketing board, than our podcast board, right? So, you know, we are tailoring and starting kind of with this baseline approach, but tailoring it to each type of workflow uh, for the need at hand. Yeah, uh, I think the the last point that uh, tip that we want to offer is basically um, if you feel that this is too basic and your workflow is more complicated, it might justify uh, your team actually uh, sitting down and, and doing an exercise in order to define a custom workflow, uh, which uh, Brian, you, you actually have created a, a workflow webinar, right? Yeah, we did a webinar on, on visual workflow and kind of how to define and create a visual workflow for your team. And sometimes the best thing to do is kind of get everybody in a room together and, and talk about, well, all the work that's on your current plates for each individual person, how that work currently flows through your team and kind of document that. And in the end product of that process is kind of a customized visual workflow that's, that's really um, super tailored to your team. Um, so if you feel like this is, well, hey, yeah, this is a great baseline, but I just know our process is over, you know, more complicated than this. And, you know, we're just a much more evolved team into whatever aspect of work we're doing, then this might be a great option for you in the same spirit of this kind of visual, more visual approach, this kind of a list left to right approach. Um, you can still tailor it to exactly what your team needs. It just might take a little extra uh, collaboration to make that happen. And I, I think it's really important to do these exercises as a team uh, and develop this workflow as a team, because if you do that, you'll get more buy-in right from the team like if everyone has a has a part or a say in in what the workflow should be and and understands the reasoning behind it uh they're more likely to use it 
Um, and, and buy-in in project management is, I think, uh, a really important thing. Couldn't agree more. I think that's actually probably a, another podcast episode that we can put together, but I, it's 100 million percent accurate uh, and will make your whole life easier if you include your team in the process. Well, I think that about wraps us up for the day. If you have a question for us, you can call it into our voicemail number at 860-577-2293, or you can email it to us at workflow at Our theme music is an excerpt from Thunder Rock by Magic Studio used under Creative Commons. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for Workflow and visit rindle.com slash workflow dash podcast for a full transcript of each episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.